Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast. This is our last day in Mascota, Jalisco, up in the mountains about halfway between Puerto Vallarta and Guadalajara. So we had a wonderful week, and we are now packing up. Kids are eating breakfast, kind of getting ready. They're doing their own devotional, and we're going to get ready to head out. So thought I'd stop for a moment what I'm doing and spend a little bit of time in the Word, as we need to do every single morning. So we are in First Chronicles 3 through 6, actually, today. I'm going to see if we can do all of them. We'll see how far we get, as well as 1 Corinthians 7. So before we get started, I actually thought I'd throw in a dad joke today, even though we're on the road. <laughs> if you think swimming with dolphins is expensive, you should try swimming with sharks. It costs me an arm and a leg. <laughs> yeah, okay. So with that nonsense out of the way, we can now pray, and we're going to get into First Chronicles chapter 3. Father God, thank you for giving us this time together. And we ask, God, that as you are glorifying yourself, as the world is coming to a close, that this, this short window of time that we have, might we might be able to use for for your kingdom that we might be able to continue to do these kind of events where we reach out and help people see that you're the god of our salvation the god who cares the god who loves so guide us in your word god build us up to that end in jesus name amen now these were the sons of david who were born to him in hebron the first was amnon ashinaum the Jezreelites, the second was Daniel by Abigail, the Carmelites, the third was Absalom, the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, the king of Geshur, the fourth was Adonijah, the son of Haggith, the fifth was Shephatiah by Abital, the sixth was Ithriam, the wife of Egla. Six were born to him in Hebron, and there he reigned seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years. These were born to him in Jerusalem, Shimeah, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, four by Bathshua, the daughter of Amiel, Ibhar, Elishama, Elephelet, Noga, Nepheg, and Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet nine, all of these were the sons of David, besides the sons of the concubines. And Tamar was their sister. Now Solomon's son was Rehoboam. Abijah was his son. Asa, his son. Jehoshaphat, his son. Joram, his son. Azaziah, his son. Joash, his son. Amaziah, his son. Azariah, his son. Jotham, his son. Ahaz his son, Hezekiah his son, Manasseh his son, Ammon his son, Josiah his son. The sons of Josiah were Jonan, the firstborn. The second was 
Joachim, the third Zedekiah, the fourth Shalom. The sons of Jehoiakim were Jeconiah, his son, Zedekiah, his son. The sons of Jeconiah, the prisoner, was Shealtiel, his son, Milchiram, Peredaya, Shanasar, Jakamiah, Hoshama, and Nerebiah. The sons of Peredaiah were Zerubbabel and Shemiah. The sons of Zerubbabel were Mashulam, Hananiah, Shelomith, and their sister, Hashubah, Oel, Berakiah, Hashadiah, and Jeshab, Hesed, five. The sons of Hananiah were Pelatiah and Jeshaiah, the sons of Raphaiah, the sons of Arnon, the sons of Obadiah, the sons of, of Shekaniah. The descendants of Shekaniah were Shemaiah and the sons of Shemaiah. Hatush, Egal, Beriah, Neriah, and Shaphath, sixth. The sons of Neriah were Eliani, Hezekiah, Hezrekah, Hezrakam, three. The sons of Eleoni were Hodaviah and Elishib, Peliah, Akub, Jonan, Deliah, Hanai, seven. Chapter four. The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, Shobal, Reiah, the sons of Shobal, became the father of, of Jeath, and Jeath became the father of Ahumai and Lehad. And these were the families of the Zorathites. These were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. And the name of their sister was Hazelielponi. Penuel, the father of Gedor, and Ezer, the father of, of Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, the father of Bethlehem. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela, Narah. Narah bore him Azuman, Hefer, Temeni, and Hashashtati. Tari, that's a tough one. Ashashtari, these were the sons of Nara, the sons of Hela, were Zareth, Isra, and Ethnan. Kuz became the father of Enub, Zobiba, and the families of Aharel, the sons of Harum. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother's name was Jabez, same because I bore him with pain. Now, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. Chelub, the brother of Shura, became the father of Mehir, who was the father of Eshton. Eshton became the father of Beth Rapha and Pasheah, and Tahina, the father of Ir 
Nahash. These are the men of Rekah, the sons of Kenaz, of Othniel, the sons of Sariah, the sons of Othniel were Hathath and Meonothai. Meonothai became the father of Ophrah, and Sariah became the father of Joab, the father of Gehashim, for they were craftsmen. The sons of Caleb were the sons of Jephunneh, were Iru, Elah, Naam, the sons of Elah, was Kenaz, the sons of Jehaliel were Ziph and Zipha, Tyria and Asharel. The sons of Ezra were Jether, Merad, Ephor, Kelon, and these are the sons of Bethia, the daughter of Pharaoh, whom Merad took, and she conceived and bore Miriam, Shammai, and Ishba, the father of Ishtamoah. His Jewish wife bore Jared, the father of Gedor, Heber, the father of Soku, and Jekuthiel, the father of Zanoah, the sons of the wife of Hodiah, the sister of Nahum, were the father of Kilia, and Garmit, and Eshtemoah, and Makathite. The sons of Shimon were Ammon, Rina, Benhan, Tilon. The sons of Ishi were Zoeth, and Ben Zoeth. The sons of Selah, and the sons of Judah were Ur, the father of Lekah, and Lada, the father of Mirashah. And the families of the house of the linen workers at Beth Ashbea, and Jochim, the men of Kozeba, Joash, Shara, ruled in Moab, and Jehushbi Leim. And the records are ancient, and these were the potters and the inhabitants of Netaim and Gadera. They lived there with their king. For his works. Verse 24 The sons of Simeon were Nemuel and Jamim, Jarib, Zerah, Shaul, Shalom, his son, Mibsham, his son, Mishma, his son. Sons of Mishma were Hamuel, his son, Zakur, his son, Shimei, his son. And Shimei had 16 sons and six daughters. And his brothers did not have many sons, nor did all their families multiply like the sons of Judah. They lived like Beersheba, Molada, and Hazar, Shual, and Bilha, and Ezim, Tolad, Bethuel, Horma, Ziklag, Beth, Markaboth, and Hazar, Susim, Beth, Biri, and Sharaim, these were the cities until the reign of David. Their villages were Ethram, Ain, Rimon, Tochin, Ashan, five cities. And their villages were all around their cities as far as Baal. And these are the settlements, and they have their genealogies. Meshobab, Jamlik, and Josha, the sons of Amaziah, the, and Joel, and Jehu, the sons of Joshabiah, the sons of Shariah, the sons of Asiel, and Elionai, and Jacobah, and Jeshoiah, and Asia, Adiel, and Jeshimiel, and Benaniah, Ziza, the sons of Shephai, the sons of Alan, the sons of Jediah, the sons of Shimri, son of Shemaiah, 
These mentioned by name were leaders in their families and their father's houses increased greatly. They went to the entrance of Gedor, even to the east side of the valley to seek pasture for their flocks. They found rich and good pasture and the land was broad and quiet and peaceful for those who lived there formerly were Hamites. These recorded by name came to the, in the days of Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and attacked their tents, and the Meunites who were found there, and destroyed them utterly to this day. They lived in their place because there was pasture for their flocks. From them, from the sons of Simeon, 500 men went to Mount Seir with Pelatiah and Neriah and Raphaiah and Huziel, the sons of Ishi and their leaders. They destroyed the remnant of the Amalekites who escaped and have lived there to this day. Chapter 5. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, and he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, sons of Israel, so that he was not enrolled in the genealogy according to the birthright. Now Judah, now Judah prevailed over his brothers, and from him came the leader, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. The sons of Reuben, Firstborn of Israel were Henoch and Palu, Hezron and Carmi. The sons of Joel were Shemaiah, the sons of Gog, his son, Shemai, his son, Mika, his son, Reliah, his son, Baal, his son, Bera, his son, whom Tiglath, pleaser king of Assyria, carried away into exile. He was leader of the Reubenites. His kinsmen, by their families, in their genealogy of their generations, were Jeel. The chief, then Zechariah, and Bela, the sons of Azaz, the son of Shem, of Shema, the son of Joel, who lived in Aror, even Nebu and Baal Meon. To the east, he settled as far as the entrance of the wilderness from the river Euphrates, because their cattle had increased in the land of Gilead in the days of Saul. They made war with the Hagrites, who fell by their hand, so that they occupied their tents throughout all the land east of Gilead. Now the sons of Gad lived opposite them in the land of Bashan, as far of Seleka. Joel was chief, and Shapham the second, and Jani, and Shaphan, and Bashan, their kinsmen, and their father's household with Mikael, Mashulam, Sheba, Jorai, Jakan, Zia, and Eber seven. These are the sons of Abiel, the sons of Huri, the sons of, of Joram, the sons of Gilead, the sons of, of Mikael, the sons of Jeshani, the sons of Jadu, sons of Buz, Ai, the son of Adiel, the sons of Guni, were the head of the father's households. They lived in Gilead and Bashan and in its towns and in all the pasture lands of Sharon as far as their borders. All of these were enrolled in the genealogies in the days of Jotham, king of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, king of Israel. Now the sons of Reuben and the, Gad and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, consisting of valiant men, men who bore shield and, and sword and shot with the bow and were skillful in battle were 44,760 went to war. They made war against the, the Hagrites, Detur, Nafish, and Nodab. They were helped against them, and the Hagrites and all who were with them were given into their land, and they cried out to God in the battle, and he answered their prayers because they trusted in him. They took away their cattle, their 50,000 camels, 250,000 sheep, 2,000 donkeys, 100,000 men. 
For many fell slain because the war was of God, and they settled in their place until the exile. Now the sons of the half-tribe of Manasseh lived in the land from Bashan to, to Baal Hermon and Sinir and Mount Hermon. They were numerous. These were the heads of the father's households, even Ephor, Ishi, Eliel, Azriel, Jeremiah, Hadoviah, Jadiel, mighty men of valor, famous men, heads of their father's households, but they acted treacherously against the God of their fathers and played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, even the spirit of Tiglath-Pleser, the king, Pelnizor, king of Assyria, and he carried them away into exile, namely the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, and brought them to Hela, Habor, Hara, and the river of Gosan to this day. Do I dare go on and keep chapter 6? I think I'll stop here again. This is getting monotonous. Genealogies, what are you going to say? Uh, the, the, the only thing I want to add here in the genealogies, the only, well, there's a few things, but the, the understanding that Israel was in the land before the captivity and after the captivity, and God had given them the land. They had won many battles, and they were established. And you see all the towns they were established in. You see what was given to them by God through Joshua. They, they have right to the land. People will always argue, yeah, but they displaced other people, and those people were the people who lived in the land. But the people who lived in the land before them displaced the people before them and before them. And ultimately, it goes back to Noah, and Noah telling them to go out and occupy, to go out, well, to go out and spread out and occupy the, the land. And God was the one who established the new world through Noah, and therefore God was the one who was able to give territory to whoever he wanted, and he chose to give this land to Israel. And so we have historical accurate records by families, by tribes, of who was where, what king, when. So much detail here. It is hard to escape it. And yet people still try and say that there's no historical accuracy to Israel's claim on the land. And we can get into a lot about Israel's faithfulness and God winning the war and their unfaithfulness and why they went into exile. But uh, we'll move on. So chapter 7, 1 Corinthians now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, but because of immoralities, each man is to have his own wife and each woman to have her own husband. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving one another except by agreement for time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But this I say by way of concession and not of command. Yet I wish that all men were as even I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner, another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I but if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. But to the married, I give instruction, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried, or else be reconciled to her husband, and that the husband should not divorce his wife. But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. 
And a woman who has an unbelieving husband, if he consents to live with her, he must not send her away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. If the brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner let him walk, and so I direct in all the churches. Was any man called when he was already circumcised? He is not to become uncircumcised. Was anyone called in uncircumcision? He is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is keeping the commandments of God. Each man must remain in the condition in which he was called. Okay, we're supposed to really stop in 19, so I'll stop there anyway. Uh, so it's so phenomenal, and in, in it's you can track this throughout church history. In the church, you you often get people coming to the church, and immediately they will go into liberalism because they find out they've been liberated from sin in the sense of that type of liberalism. Uh, they will say, I'm free in Christ. Now I am free to do anything. They're so rejoicing to have come out of the, the pagan world. And, and these people in Corinth were, were, I'm saved, and so I can get drunk, and I can drink, and I can sleep around, I can do whatever I want. Uh, I'm taking this to the extreme, of course. They, they have little justifying minds. I mean, the Gnostic mindset was the spirit was holy, and, uh, and the body could not be redeemed. Therefore, you could allow your body to indulge any passion, any pleasure. And it didn't matter. It didn't affect your spirit. And this kind of a teaching was creeping into the church. And so there was those in the Corinthian church that were getting drunk. They were sleeping around. You know, this man had his father's wife. His stepmother was sleeping. And gross immorality, right? So what happens is you go to one extreme and then there seems to be, there's oftentimes a swing in the opposite direction. People see that and say, no, 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 I don't want that. I want to follow God. I don't want to do anything wrong. So they swing to ultra conservatism, uh, legalism to the extreme. And there were people saying that we, that we want to be holy unto God, completely uh, spirit, soul, and body. And so they were having the opposite effect when they were married they were not engaging in any type of sexual activity with their partners and Paul is going no that's going the other extreme uh, except for time of prayer and fasting the two are one flesh and therefore come together don't deny each other and these kind of things so it's an interesting how Paul had to deal with the hyper legalism that also crept into the church at that period of time. Same with the circumcision. He's like, don't follow the Judaizers saying you have to be circumcised. All right? And the Jews didn't have to regret their circumcision. They were completed Jews now. So he's giving balanced theological teaching on how to live a godly life, that there's freedom in Christ, and that we should have peace, and we should have, we should have joy, and we should have uh, just balance, and not get things out of bounds, um, and, and get caught up in these things. So it's good to know these things, because even today in the church, we see these things happening, and, and we, we go to the God's Word. This whole thing of divorce, major thing. This, you have to apply your own life. If you've gone through a divorce, you have to bring that to the Lord. This is still applicable. 
If you've been divorced, you really shouldn't seek to be remarried, especially if you were a believer when you got divorced and if the wife left you. And there's all these different circumstances. Each case has to be weighed individually. But Paul says it's a serious thing. And if the unbelieving person is willing to live with you, you married an unbeliever, then basically Paul says you live with them and you do all you can to get them saved. I can't tell anyone what is right biblically because every situation is different. You've got to pray and you've got to take it before the Lord. It's a, but it is a serious thing. So you have to look at it and pray over it and see whether or not biblically you have grounds for divorce or grounds for remarriage. And then obey. That's just pretty much as, as, as simple as it is, but it's a complex subject. All right. Now, Charles Spurgeon for August 12th, which many of you will be hearing on August 13th, but that's okay. Light in darkness, for thou art my lamp, O God, and the Lord will lighten my darkness. 2 Samuel twenty two twenty nine. Am I in the light? Then thou, O Lord, art my lamp. Take thee away, and my joy would be gone. But as long as thou art with me, I can do without the torches of time and the candles of created comfort. What a light the presence of God casts on all things. We heard of the lighthouse, which could be seen from 20 miles, but our Jehovah is not only a God at hand, but far off he is seen, even in the enemy's country. O oh Lord, I am as happy as an angel when thy love fills my heart. Thou art all my desire. Am I in the dark? Then thou, O oh Lord, will lighten my darkness." Before long, things will change. Affairs may grow more and more dreary, and cloud may be piled upon cloud. But if it grows so dark that I cannot see my own hand, still I shall see the hand of the Lord when I cannot find a light within me or among my friends or in the whole world. The Lord who said, let there be light, and there was light, can say the same again. He will speak me into the sunshine yet. I shall not die but live. The day is already breaking. The sweet text shines like a morning star. I shall clap my hands for joy ere many hours have passed. Father, what a glorious concept to understand. We serve the God of light and we have come out of darkness. There's no greater meditative joy for most of us who got saved when we were adults to remember the work of grace that you did in our life. What a phenomenal thing. And we are now continuing to walk in your light. And may you make it ever more clear and light the path ever more uh, brilliantly so that we don't stumble. We desire not to. The world is becoming a darker place, God. And so in one aspect, it's easier to see your light. And in that we rejoice, but help the people that we know that are confused. And it can actually at times misinterpret the darkness of Satan as light, that he comes and deceives them and tries to give them a false sense, a false path to follow that he's led. So God, please give us the wisdom to know the difference and help us to help our friends to discern the difference and not let them fall into religiosity, uh, into liberalism, uh, into legalism, but to just follow your path and enjoy the peace that surpasses understanding. Thank you for our time here in Mascota. 
thank you for the kids that got saved, accepted you. God, we, we now ask your Holy Spirit continue to work through Luz and her friends here in their church to build them up, touch their parents, guide them, God, in the word. Help them never to go back to the things of this world or be deceived by the enemy. And for these young kids to be so confused <laughs> with gender or with what's allowed or with their sexual activity or, or what marriage is or lack of marriage. God, help them to rightly divide now the word of truth and be joyful in it and be phenomenal uh, believers for you in this kingdom, this next generation. So thank you, Father. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Tomorrow will be church, 9 o'clock live. Don't know if we're going to have a Sunday podcast. So uh, we got to pack up and leave. We'll see if I get home early enough. I have no idea. But if not, we'll just pick it up on Monday and keep going. So thank you. God bless you. We will see you for church. Bye-bye.